You are going to love the next guest. Michelle Palladini is on the show, a law enforcement professional. She is widely respected for her law enforcement expertise and commitment to the care and protection of children, and even more love for her unrelenting positive attitude, passion, and dedication to her community. Michelle Palladini, next on the CJ Evolution Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Patrick here. Whatever you were doing, wherever you were at, thank you for tuning into the show. That's why we continue to grow. That's why we're the number one criminal justice podcast out there because of you, the listener and supporter. Thank you so much for being here. Big shout out to all the brave men and women, brave first responders, whatever you were doing in the criminal justice field. Thank you so much for what you are doing. You are loved. You are honored. You are respected. Don't believe the crap you see in the news sometimes. You are doing a fantastic job. Keep up the good work. Uh, Folks, I am super pumped that my book, Evolve, is finally here. A micro book, an easily digestible micro book that you can read in one sitting. I wrote for you, the criminal justice professional, and I want to get you an autograph copy. Send me a message on social, and I will get a book to you autographed by me, yours truly, Patrick. And if you want a free copy of the ebook, head over to cjevolution.com and you're going to get a free ebook version of Evolve. You will not be disappointed. This is going to help you personally and professionally. Hit me up. I look forward to hearing from you. Oh, folks, I am so excited and pumped for 2020. I hope you are too. I am so excited to announce a collaboration, a partnership with two of the best out there, Kerry Wooten and Jared Hardy, and honored to be partnered with them. We have created Triad Leadership and Development. Your ascent begins in 2020. We want to equip organizational leaders, and yes, that means you, with the skills and ability to unlock your leadership potential, get the most out of your career, and live a purpose beyond the badge. We're going to address leadership through coaching, addressing fear, reigniting the fire and purpose, the importance of visualization, all the things we talk about in the podcast. Again, you do not want to miss this event. If you head over to mindsetenterprise.net slash team triad, you're going to see this amazing collaboration that we're bringing to you in 2020, folks. Stay tuned. On to the show with Michelle Palladini. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. I'm very excited to have my next guest on the show. She is a full-time law enforcement officer. Michelle Palladini is on the show. Welcome, Michelle. Hey, thanks. Well, I, I know you're busy, and I know you, uh, you work today. You told me off the air, and I'm glad you're uh, spending a little bit of your time with us. Now, I always ask Leos that come on the show, Michelle, I'm going to ask you the same thing. What made you want to become a police officer? My father, a little bit of lineage there. My dad is a retired Massachusetts state trooper. Uh, He retired in 2004. So growing up, you know, it was just being in a law enforcement family, seeing the job that he did. uh, And he was really a guy that uh, I held in high regard, not just because he was my father, but because he really walked his talk. He really exemplified integrity Uh, He always told me, you know, when I was a little kid that he was going off to help people, you know, it was never really about, you know, catching the bad guy. It was more about, you know, being in service to people. And that's a value that uh, has always been really important to me. So it seemed like a natural profession to kind of fall into. That's awesome. And now how long have you been uh, serving Michelle? So ironically, um, I began the year that he retired. (laughs) So 2004, (laughs) 
Uh, I actually graduated college and uh, interviewed for my first position, and I was, you know, blessed enough to get it, uh, which is pretty unheard of, uh, especially here in Massachusetts. <laughs> Usually, it's a longer process than that, but I uh, definitely uh, had some some luck on my side there yeah. for sure. Well, luck and talent and skills. Oh, I I suppose, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, honestly, I think what helped me, uh, you know, was that in college, I I really kind of buckled down. I I did really well in college, graduated magnum cum laude. Oh, congratulations. uh, And then, thank you. And, uh, you know, which was a far cry from kind of how I performed in high school. So it was really, you know, it was really something for me to be proud of. I really um, kind of had my my sights set on getting a job in law enforcement. I got an honors internship with the FBI. Uh, so that was a really great opportunity. And then they brought me on uh, as summer help uh, to help with a uh, case uh, after I had interned. So I think I had all of that on my side as well. Um, I did pretty well in the interview and sort of the rest was history. So early age to, uh, to begin a career in law enforcement, uh, yeah. 22 was very young, um, but you know that kind of set me off on a path where I learned a lot along the way. And here I am today. Well, thank you for your service uh, very much. We appreciate it. Now, you've been around for a long time, Michelle, uh, in law enforcement, you've seen a lot, and you watch the news. Obviously, I mean, what do you, what do you think some of the challenges that you think law enforcement are going to be faced with in the future? I mean, there's a ton of challenges out there, mm-hmm. but what do you think some of the ones that kind of rise to the top, in your opinion? Yeah, I think you know media is uh, progressing fast and furious, and I think you know the information that's at people's fingertips now, as we know, is, you know, quick highlights, Mm -hmm. uh, things that take us in law enforcement, you know, uh, hours to, you know, uh, to handle, to write up, to process, to debrief, you know, the general public isn't really seeing that. And I think from, from our standpoint, you know, we don't have the level of transparency that, you know, maybe we want to have or would like to have or we're allowed to have. Uh, so unfortunately, you know, as we know, the media is showing these quick snippets of incidents and, mm-hmm. you know, we know what sells and what sells is the negativity, what sells is the controversy. And I think as much as we try and push out uh, positive stories and we try to use social media for good, I think by and large, our profession is still very hesitant to put things out on social media. Um, and I think, you know, slowly maybe that's changing, but I, I think it's a challenge and we're running into, you know, a society that is, you know, very um, media driven, and we are impacted by the media. Uh, But I think that goes for us in law enforcement as well. I think we're impacted as well. And, you know, if we look at the statistics, you know, I I think by and large, most law enforcement officers feel like the public has lost their trust in us. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if we actually look at some of the data, uh, the public still does trust us. And Mm -hmm. I think we're being um, kind of influenced by the media as well. So I think it goes both ways. Yeah, I agree. And very well said. I, I do think, and I say it a lot on my show, Michelle, uh, I do think, and like you said, the data supports it. I do believe that the majority of people out there support law enforcement. Um, I just wish, you know, that they were more vocal. <laughs> you know, the people mm-hmm. that you support <laughs> are brave men and women out there that are, that are serving. And, you know, mm-hmm. it seems like, you know, the, you know, the, the squeakiest wheel kind of thing where, you know, there's, there's certain groups out there in the media and even politicians out there that kind of, uh, talk down on law enforcement, it seems like they get all the airtime because like you said, it sells. That's just the, the media. But I always right. tell officers that I talk to, man, just keep your head up. I know it seems like it's bleak, but you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of people out there that support you. 
Yeah, and I think that's a, an important message, you know, because unfortunately, we know that nationally, we're having issues with recruitment. Exactly. And, you know, so we look at those factors. And yeah, you know, are these, you know, young, young men and women who, you know, would have otherwise chosen this profession, have they been influenced uh, by the things that they're seeing? Is this job not appealing anymore? So I think those are some things that we really need to be looking at as a profession, and really trying to highlight the work that we do and, you know, the benefits of the job. And, and I'm not talking about benefits as, as far as, you know, financial, I'm, I'm talking about the benefits of, you know, the personal and professional satisfaction that the job can bring. Mm -hmm. And I think we do need um, sort of the new generation of law enforcement officers to really step up. Uh, those of us who are, you know, um, you know, I would say in the midway point of our careers, it's, you know, we, we kind of have that knowledge. Uh, but we also are still kind of young enough and we're tech savvy and we're really able to bring, you know, some ideas to the forefront. And I think a lot of what we need to be doing is offering a lot more for personal development for officers, really kind of getting officers to understand that you can have a personal mission statement. You know, you can really approach this job like a business um, where you're really putting, you know, your best self out there. And how do you do that with character and authenticity? I think we've gotten away from the values that a law enforcement officer should possess. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge, huge part of the job, especially when it comes to our interactions with the public. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. And um, I like what you I really like what you said about attrition, right? So, I mean, and I know you're back East, I'm kind of in the West and yeah, it's the same everywhere. Everybody's fighting for the, the same quality applicant everywhere. But the one thing that you, you really said, you know, is we need to, Kind of empower these young officers and, and and i think it goes back to you know taking better care of yourself and personal mission statements and um i remember my old chief used to say you know why aren't these young officers signing up for all this overtime and i used to tell him i was like well chief you know it's different from when you and i got into the profession i mean these these officers coming in they're great people but they don't <laughs> you know they work to live they don't live to work like you and i did mm -hmm. you know when we were coming yeah. up in the ranks so I mean, I think that's important to remember where, you know, officers, you know, we all want to feel valued and respected, but especially the younger officers coming in, they want to be inspired. They want to be motivated. You know what I mean? It's the key with the, there has to be new ways that management and command staff come up with. You know, right. right. I agree with you. Gain our talent. Mm -hmm. And I think you brought up a good point too, with understanding some of these generational differences. Uh, I have some colleagues that I've been at trainings with and that I've learned from and they, uh, really kind of talk about the generational differences. And just like you said, you know, this new generation, um, you know, one, one officer that I heard from in a, in a talk that he did one time said, you know, maybe we're just jealous that they have it figured out. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe we're jealous that they do, you know, uh, work, work to live as opposed to yeah. live to work, you know, um, that they have that sort of life balance, um, if there is such a thing, you know, kind of figured out. So, um, and I don't know if that's true for everybody, yeah. but yeah, I think we can look at it from the flip side that, you know, those of us who kind of began our careers working 80 hours a week or still work that much, you know, we live in our uniform and, and yeah. that's not healthy. And that's, that's a hard yeah. lesson that I've had to learn throughout yeah. my career as well. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about mindset cause you're a big mindfulness person. So am I, mm -hmm. um, but what were some of the challenges you just hit on some of them? Uh, yeah. Um, I some think of the challenges you dealt with in your career. Yeah. 
for me, starting off, I, I think age was a huge factor for me when I began, as I said, I, and I had just turned 22, so I was very young. Mm-hmm. And uh, something that I'm, I'm very passionate about now is really understanding the brain and understanding how the brain works and how mm-hmm. it develops. And we know that the brain doesn't fully develop until age 25. So if we look at, you know, those of us in mm-hmm. law enforcement or the military and, you know, we're being brought on at such a young age, uh, I don't think that I, and I'll speak for myself, you know, I don't think I really had the lived experience yet to um, kind of make some of the decisions that I was making um, and not just on the job, but off the job as well. So not taking care of myself, you know, waiting for the three to 11 shift to be over and going out drinking with the guys till three in the morning, you know, and that was sort of my rite of passage, my initiation, right? The camaraderie, uh, that was a huge, huge part of the job. And you know, for me, it, it really became the biggest part of the job. It was, you know, what are we going to get to eat for dinner and where, what bar are we going to go to after work, yeah. you know? Yeah. And being a young person, I was, I was heavily influenced by the culture and the culture uh, was pretty negative. Uh, it was a lot of, you know, oh, let's go out, let's deal with our calls, let's stop the jerks, let's stop the assholes, you know, we'll fight crime, we'll do, you know, just as much as we need to do, and then we'll go out and we'll party for the rest of the night. And it, it became, for me, less about serving and more about just kind of showing up to the calls, putting out the fires, arresting people, and going home at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, that wasn't authentic to who I was. Uh, And I know, you know, we can make the argument too that, well, it's just a job and you shouldn't be taking it home with you. And it should just be, you go, you you take your calls, but. (laughs) I don't believe that. Yeah, I don't either. Um, But I think a lot of people would make that argument that, well, it should just be a job. And, you know, for me, there's a difference. Uh, I think it's a calling. It's, it's not a, it's not a job. It's a calling. And I think when we start to look at it as just a job, you know, we sort of lose that eye for service. So I don't, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but it sounds like you do. No, I do. And I, I want to talk about that again. I think that ties into, because I want to ask you, I want, I want to talk about LEAP first and what you, you know, community mm-hmm. policing. And I want, to, I want to circle back to what was the mind shift? You know, what was the, okay. you know, the shift in your mindset that kind of got you away from that? Because we have a lot of the same experiences. But I want to talk about, you know, you're a huge proponent of community policing. You do so Mm -hmm. much for your community out there and children. Uh, First of all, I mean, most listeners out there um, know about community policing. But for the person out there that doesn't really get what community policing is, first of all, explain it, Michelle, in your opinion. And why is it so important for communities and departments to, or basically departments to engage in community policing? Sure. I think that, you know, our job is public service. And so when we look at the definition of public service, it's being um, available and being helpful to the public. Now, if we look at, you know, our job as police officers, it is largely reactive in many ways. So we're responding when somebody calls us for service. Um, I, I think the way that we can sort of look at community policing is that Sure, we may be called for you know a particular call. Let's say it's domestic violence, okay? So we show up and we do what we're required to do by law. And that is uh, the, the laws that we've been sworn to uphold as police officers. But community policing takes it a step further. So 
community policing is not just, you know, offering, you know, maybe a, a fun program at your police department, giving tours to kids. Community policing is you're on that domestic violence call and you're really connecting with the victim. You're really, um, you know, trying to find out what's going on in that family and you're connecting with the suspect too. You know, you're trying to break down what's happening in this family and how can we assist in a way that is helpful at this time. And you know what, maybe it's not in that moment, but perhaps you go back a week later to check on that victim, uh, to send you know, a domestic violence advocate. Maybe you accompany that advocate back to the house. Mm -hmm. you know? So these types of like out of the box thinking of ways that we can continue maintaining a connection with the people that we serve. So we can do that with regular line patrol. And I think we've pigeonholed ourselves a little bit into thinking that community policing is just for certain officers, you know, that only a couple of officers within your agency do community policing, when in fact, we should all be doing community policing. You know, it's, it's having conversations with people. It's instead of going through the drive-through at the coffee shop, you're walking into the coffee shop yeah, and exactly. you're making eye contact with people. You're having conversations. And this goes from your rookie officer all the way up to the chief of police. You know, mm -hmm. everybody should be engaged. And so it's being of service to your community. It's, you know, carrying yourself with that sense of, you know, I'm going to put myself out there uh, as, you know, a police officer first and foremost, but also show that I'm human too. And I can have a conversation with you and break down some of those barriers yeah. that inevitably exist just because of the fact that we're wearing a uniform. Yeah. So, so important. And tell us about, you develop uh, LEAP and I'll let you explain the acronym. You developed this amazing program in 2013. Tell us about that. Yeah. So um, I was kind of at a point in my career that, I had seen uh, and done a lot, you know, so I had responded to the calls for service, uh, the same types of calls over and over. And when I really looked at uh, people in our society who were committing crimes, who had, you know, substance use disorders, who had issues with anger, who had mental health issues, it's sort of like I could kind of trace back where it all began. And for most of these folks, it began in childhood. So they either experienced some trauma in their life or they were raised, you know, by um, somebody who was addicted to drugs or they were abused, uh, neglected, or they just have mental health issues. So um, I sort of thought, you know, what if we give kids the skills that they need? So rather than, you know, being a police officer and going in and saying, you know, hey, kids, this is what drugs, you know, can do to you. This is what drugs look like. Um, and, and I'm not, you know, knocking that philosophy. I think that education is important, but I really wanted to get to the thoughts, feelings, and emotions that lead kids to using substances, mm -hmm. helping build that sort of resilience, that emotional intelligence, all of those things that quite honestly, we in law enforcement, you know, are, are learning and, and should be learning ourselves. And what um, kind of a beautiful experience it is when we can share practices for stress reduction for social emotional health with the children in our communities that we serve. Mm -hmm. And so um, I had had this idea for a program and I put together a curriculum and I brought it to our uh, regional middle school in my community. And uh, the principal, uh, Dr. Susan Gilson had said, you know, we would love for you to pilot this here and implement it. And so uh, we didn't have a school resource officer position at the time, but this sort of was the impetus for uh, developing a school resource mm -hmm. position. 
And so um, I transitioned into that position on a part-time basis. And so I spent um, 20 hours in the school implementing this program and um, it really took off. The kids really gravitated towards it. Um, we do a lot of stress reduction techniques, a lot of mindfulness, um, which at the time mindfulness was sort of um, kind of hot on the scene. It was kind of a new buzzword. So, you know, parents were excited about it. Uh, the school was excited about it. So it, um, it, it was going really well. Um, and then, you know, kind of from there, uh, I had other uh, officers in the area that were interested in it. And so I started um, developing it as a training program. So uh, the program sort of encompass not just the curriculum, but ways that we can really engage with youth that is meaningful, uh, that really supports positive youth development. And so that program uh, kind of transitioned into a training program that I've now brought um, several places over the country. So it's been a cool journey. It's amazing. And LEAP is Leadership, Empowerment, Awareness, and Protection. And just You've a got it. program. And now let's go back to mindfulness because I, I love talking mindfulness. I know we talked a little bit about it off the air and then when we talked a couple mm. weeks ago. And I imagine your, your mindfulness or your, your, your shift in your mindset was a key role in you were talking earlier about okay you were heading kind of you know down that path where you were just kind of partying and you were you know uh, going out drinking and I've been there too but what was the shift mm -hmm. Michelle that kind of got you on a different path I'm not saying you don't go out and you know toast one every once in a while uh, but mm -hmm. uh, it sounds like you are a completely different place than you were back then yeah com <laughs> completely different uh, I think I got to the point that I, I felt sick uh, physically, emotionally. I felt like every day I was just going through the motions, the same thing every day. It was the bad food and the bad beer. You know, it was just, it was the same kind of routine. I, I know, it's the only way I know how to put it. Um, you know, it was <laughs> just beer. like, right? It was like crappy pizza, crappy beer. You know, every day it was the same thing. And I think I got to that point and that was probably about, uh, 24, 25, when it really hit me that, you know, I, I looked sick, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't look healthy and, and I had always taken care of myself. You know, I had always been, you know, pretty athletic and I realized that I had stopped running, um, you know, staying out late, you know, sleeping most of the day and then going back in for work. Mm -hmm. And it really started to run me down. Um, I also started, you know, dealing with um, a lot of depression. I really felt like I, you know, it wasn't the job that I thought it was going to be. So it was sort of a little bit of a letdown that I really didn't feel like I was making the impact I wanted to make. Uh, but I had to do some really serious self-reflection that, you know, it wasn't that the job wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It was the job wasn't what I was making it to be. Sure. Um, so it was really, I was getting in my own way, um, you know, and it was one of those things that I, I could either continue down that path or I could start to clean my life up. And so the decision to clean my life up was uh, to work with um, a psychologist. So I was really looking for um, somebody in a therapeutic setting that sort of understood law enforcement, um, understood the stress. You know, I had a couple of, um, you know, traumatic calls that I had been on. So I think that all sort of played into it. Um, not to mention, you know, anybody who's eating bad food, not exercising and drinking every day, you know, that's sort of a, a recipe for disaster. <laughs> anyway, yeah. um, so meeting with this particular psychologist, he had introduced me to mindfulness. And 
um, a lot of these uh, sort of non-traditional, more holistic uh, healing modalities, um, you know, things like meditation, things like breathing techniques. And the way that he taught it to me uh, was really, uh, really kind of made sense. You know, he really based it in the science that it was about sort of um, quelling those repetitive thoughts that you have. Uh, it's really about using coping skills that are healthy as opposed to going to, you know, bad food and bad beer, right? So it was finding about, you know, ways that um, I could be in the present moment without feeling like I had to be doing something more or something less and being okay with just what is um, and coming from a background that I was always, you know, like most of us in this job, you know, perfectionism is, is very high um, in this profession and, you know, kind of getting out of that type A mindset that everything had to be perfect everything had to be just so and when it wasn't you know I would fall apart so mm -hmm. mindfulness for me really taught me and was really um, really a life changer for me and is something that has now stayed in my life since you know probably let's see 2006 2007 uh, so it's been been a journey yeah and like I said I mean we've we've all you know gone through tough times I, I know I have and um, but the, the thing that really changed me was you know Kind of, and, and I always say this, this isn't a kick in the teeth to the men and women who serve, but I, I needed to have different associations outside of law enforcement, you know, because that, that's really what helped me. Um, and, and again, like you said, you know, holy crap, you know, I'm not taking care of myself, you know, I'm depressed, I'm angry, you know, I, I'm not working out like I used to. So you're exactly right. And I tell people, Michelle, and I want to hear your opinion. You know, law enforcement's a toxic environment. Out, you know, externally mm -hmm. and sometimes internally in an apartment. And, um, sometimes, you know, you just gotta, you gotta get away from those people that are just constantly, <laughs> you know, dumping and dumping mm -hmm. and life sucks yeah. and everything sucks and people suck and everything like that. And so, mm -hmm. you know, what was really instrumental for me was, you know, my wife who was always telling me, you know, you need to get friends outside of law enforcement. You know, and I got friends outside of law mm -hmm. enforcement. That was huge for me. You know, I started yeah. making friends and I started realizing, you know, not everybody out there is a criminal. You know, most people are good. We just deal with that percentage of frequent flyers that we always deal with. And we get this jaded mm -hmm. view, this kind of skewed view of the world. And that's huge. It's a huge impact mentally, you know, physically on us. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Now, what advice? Well, first of all, so you have bad days. You're still in law enforcement. Over, you're very, you know, satisfied with your career. You're doing great things. But you, you have bad days. We all do. So how do you stay mm -hmm. so positive? Because you are a very positive person. You're upbeat, I can tell. You got a lot of energy. So how do you <laughs> go positive, you know, during the bad days and you come home? And what's your, how do you decompress? Yeah, um, I think, you know, uh, to kind of just backtrack into sort of a, a sustainable mindfulness practice, mm -hmm. you know, what the research is showing and, you know, I, I think mindfulness gets a little bit of a bad rap um, simply because it looks like another fad, right? Like it's another buzzword. It's, it's sort of like, yeah, you know, the new diet trend or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, it is. And I, if I have anything to do with it, I will uh, <laughs> make sure of that. But, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of people kind of look at it as, well, you know, all right, this is sort of like touchy feely, get in tune with your feelings and sit on a cushion and meditate. Um, but what the science is really starting to show, and if we really kind of look at um, sort of the, the research that's up and coming, because it, it's still new, the field is still new, and we only have about 20 years worth of research, which from a, you know, a research perspective mm -hmm. is, is very a short amount of time. 
And so um, what we're finding is that the science is really um, kind of proving us uh, wrong in a lot of ways that, you know, that these types of practices aren't transformative when in fact they are. Mm -hmm. And they build, you know, integrative fibers in the brain. And when we look at a brain that is integrated, uh, that particular uh, person's brain who's being studied that has a mindfulness practice, they're showing a lot more integration in the prefrontal cortex, which governs things like emotional regulation and reason and Mm -hmm. stress management. And so when we can access that part of the brain, it helps us navigate those ups and downs. So for me, the answer to your question and how I'm able to sort of navigate the highs and lows, because I, I certainly have bad days. And, you know, in addition to my role as a resource officer, um, I, I'm in our detective division. So I'm, I'm going on, you know, the calls that are, you know, awful and traumatic and, and things like that. And so how do you navigate that? Well, since I've started practicing mindfulness, I, I literally think my brain has changed that I'm able to, you know, process it. And instead of sort of dismissing, um, you know, the emotions, I can sort of sit with it and say, geez, you know what, like, of course, this was a really awful situation that I had to deal with today. Or, you know, I had to, you know, investigate a child abuse case. I mean, that's, it's not normal what we do, you know, it's not normal to have that level of trauma. And so when we can access that more rational part of our brain, rather than sort of dismissing the emotion, which I think most of us grew up that way. It was sort of like, you know, don't be upset. Why are you sad? Yeah. You know, um, don't, don't cry or I'll give you something to cry about. Right. I mean, that's how we all grew up. And, and so what that teaches us is that it's not okay to feel. Um, Mm -hmm. And especially as cops, right. It's like, you know, God help us if we ever talk about emotions, you know, and it's like, <laughs> so I think, <laughs> you know, it's like, we don't, we don't like doing that. You know, we sit around the debriefs and it's, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah. Um, but, you know, mindfulness sort of teaches you to sit with those emotions. And so yeah. instead of kind of dismissing them or going to, you know, alcohol or food or some other sort of unhealthy, um, you know, coping mechanism, I can go back to that sort of um, mindfulness where maybe I'm taking a few deep breaths. Maybe I'm just spending time with my family or, you know, playing with my daughter um, and doing things like that, things that are going to bring me sort of that like groundedness and that peace in the moment. And that's really how um, I decompress on the hard days. I think that maintenance is also really important. So I have um, a pretty good schedule for myself. Um, I'm on, I'm on a day shift uh, administrative schedule right now. And, um, what that's done for me, I mean, I still work my overtime and I still do midnight shifts occasionally, um, for overtime, but by and large, you know, I'm an early riser. I get up at four. Um, I start my day with meditation. Um, I start my day with usually a little bit of reading Mm -hmm. and, um, that really helps set the tone for my day. The days that I don't start my day with a meditation, maybe I'm on a double shift, um, maybe I just can't get it in or I've overslept or, you know, I'm, I'm human. I'm not superhuman. Um, but I notice a difference. I, yeah. I definitely notice my patience level changes. Um, I don't, you know, ha- handle things like I normally would. So it is very, very transformative. Yeah. Love your, love your morning routine. Now, what advice would you give people out there, Michelle, that are thinking, you know, I want to, I want to get into law enforcement or criminal justice. I mean, what, again, you've been doing this job a very long time. What advice would you give that uh, new person out there? Stay true to yourself. Uh, I think so often, you know, we, we get into this profession and 
you know, and I think, I think it's, it's on us too. It's on our training. You know, we're trying to mold people and, and fit people into boxes, but the best officers are the ones that can think outside of the box, Mm -hmm. the officers that can bring their own skill set, their own unique talents. And I often sort of equate this to me being a female on the job. You know, I, I may not be the strongest or able to, you know, handcuff somebody with one hand, right? Like I, and I'm a petite person as well. But what I bring to this job is a huge sense of compassion and a huge sense of being able to really listen to people. So um, my ability to listen mindfully, right? I, I often think of listening as a mindfulness practice. You know, I'm, I'm hyper-focused on what the person is saying. Um, and I think that's great from a, a tactical standpoint as well, because we're able to read body language. We're able to understand like different pitches in their voice and where people are coming from. So that's my skill set, and those are the strengths that I bring to the job. And I think in the beginning when I started, I really didn't have enough confidence in myself. I didn't have enough confidence in my own innate abilities, and I sort of um, tried to fit into this mold of what everybody else thought a police officer should be, instead of being sort of my own officer and following of course my protocols and what I've been taught but bringing my own sort of like flair to the position because mm-hmm. I think there is creativity within this within this job and you can bring your own style and I mean we don't have to be robotic right and so it's sort of um, getting out of that mindset that you need to be you know a, a certain way or you need to be rigid or stoic um, you know you can bring personality to this job and I think the second you know you're not true to yourself uh, is when, you know, you're not able to be, um, you're not able to be a good officer. So mm-hmm. that's, that's probably my biggest piece of advice. Yeah. And I love it. If you ask me, in my opinion, look, handcuffing one hand is, is great, but the mental aspect of it, Michelle, is greater. If you ask me, the ability to listen, the ability to reach people, do you have that compassion and empathy? I can, te- anybody can teach anybody how to speed cuff with one arm and stuff, just tactics, like you said, but it's harder to teach mm-hmm. those innate abilities, you know, that common sense sometimes, that empathy, that, you know, mindset, that's much harder to teach sometimes. You know what I mean? This, the, the handcuffing and shooting and all that stuff, that's very important. I'm not saying it isn't. Those are skills that can be taught. Sometimes the other stuff is much harder to teach. So that's I'm very, very glad you said that because that is a huge strength. And I know you know that, you know, having that innate ability to listen, compassion. You've seen it. A lot of guys just want to jump in instead of just listening. <laughs> mm-hmm. developing that right um what's your future goals i know we talked a little bit i know i just did a 180 on you but you you, you talked a little bit off <laughs> some of your future goals are you going to you going to share that with the listener right now yeah sure um i i definitely you know within my agency i i'm definitely looking for promotions in the future uh i really want to be in a leadership role uh within my agency and you know, continue to um, kind of bring our, our uh, department into the next the next level. You know, we actually just built a new police station. So wow. we went from being, a, you know, a, we had a really old station that we had really outgrown. Um, so we have a nice state-of-the-art professional facility and, you know, our, our community is growing. So we're going to be bringing on, you know, a lot of, a lot of new young people. And I really hope to be able to, you know, inspire them and, and sort of bring, uh, I want to bring a lot more wellness to our agency. Um, you know, we don't do a lot with officer wellness right now. And uh, that's something I'm really passionate about and something I, I train um, on the side. So in addition to my 
LEAP program, I also do a lot of speaking and training um, on mindfulness um, for law enforcement, but for all first responders. And that's sort of been um, kind of ramping up uh, on the side. So I'm, I'm really enjoying the, the training circuit. I really enjoy training and speaking. So that's um, sort of another goal is to kind of continue expanding um, my sort of repertoire of services um, within that realm as well. That's awesome. Now, people want to reach out to you, Michelle, if they want to employ your services, if they want you to come speak, how, how can they find you? So the easiest way is my website, and it's pretty simple. It's just michellepelladini.com. So very easy. Um, and all of my services are listed there. I have a tab for police. Um, I also do some uh, some private work in mindfulness for, you know, individuals and in, in corporations. So it's sort of all encapsulated um, there on my website. But if you uh, click the police services tab. Um, all of my law enforcement services are listed there. Well, Michelle Palladini, it is such an honor to have you on the show. Thank you so much, Michelle, for your honorable service, what you're doing for your community and law enforcement in general, and anything we can do. You're already very successful now, but anything we can do, please reach out to me. Thank you. Really appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to chat with you. All right, Michelle, take care. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the CJ Evolution Podcast. For more strategies for self-improvement and resources based on today's episode, be sure to head to cjevolution.com. You can also connect to Patrick directly on social media at Pat underscore Fitzgibbons with any questions, comments, or concerns. We look forward to helping you find more personal success on the next episode of the CJ Evolution Podcast.